Chatters. I'm Nat. And I'm Kat, and welcome to the Crime Chat. I am your forensic femme fatale. Natalie is your true crime addict connoisseur. We're just two girls obsessed with dark crimes, evil minds, and occasionally the unknown. So there's nothing to see here. Oh, mm. Just nor- just normal cat and nat stuff. Normal stuff. <laughs> Meow. <laughs> Never mind the man behind the curtain. No, no, no. Here's your disclaimer, chatters. The following crime chat does contain adult content and descriptions of potentially, yeah, violent scenarios tonight. So your listener discretion is advised. Mm. You have been warned. And before we get in today's crime chat, cat, what have you done? Well, I got home mm-hmm. from my little worky work trip. Right. And the night before I left, it was after we recorded the last episode, the hotel I was staying in had showtime. And I don't have Showtime at home. Okay. There's a series that's called Yellow Jackets. Yes. I could picture you binge watching this until the last minute that you had to, they had to leave the hotel. Because <laughs> I didn't have time, like the whole time I was there, except until the last, up until the last night. And <laughs> it got to be like uh, almost midnight. And I was like, I've got to go to bed. Yeah. Because I got to get up and drive home, you know, the seven hours or whatever. So I get home. I tell Chris about it. We watched the trailer and he was like, I'm pretty interested. So we did the seven day free trial. Right. And we binged, watched all the way up until. So it's two seasons, but they still have a couple episodes yet to come out in season two. I think there's two more episodes. Could you give me a quick rundown of what this is about? Because I have heard so many people super, like they love it. And I have no idea what it's about. Picture mysterious, dark, forest. All I got is Golden Girls, Sophia. Picture this. (laughs) Italy, 19... (laughs) picture this new jersey 1996 which is when it took place (laughs) so a group of girls who are on a high school varsity soccer team Uh win state and they're headed to nationals with the coach coach's sons an assistant coach and the plane goes down some of them die like in the crash and everything like the head coach died in the crash they end up having to survive and they end up being out there for a year and a half Oh, these girls, they flash back between 1996 when it happened to present day. Mm -hmm. So they kind of go back and forth and all this stuff starts happening again 25 plus years later. How much it fucked with their heads having to survive. I was going to say. And they end up eating each other. I was just going to say that. I was going to say that some shady shit happened on that island. Yes, but there's also some sort of like dark spirit that's driving oh. them. Oh. And okay. one of the last episodes that we watched, they were just realizing that whatever happened in the wilderness came back with them. Ooh. You're giving me you remember Lost? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're giving me Very those similar. you give me that vibe. Yeah. Okay. It's just it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Okay, I gotta try it. And it's just enough suspense, thriller, mm. you know, to grease my wheels. Mm-hmm. Actually, Chris was uh, was like, this is amazing. And the fact that he said that about, about that type of genre, I was like, yes. So, <laughs> but so good. I posted something on my page. You know how the algorithms are. Yeah. And I got an advertisement for it. And I was, I was like, okay. I forwarded it and put it on my page. I was like, if you haven't seen this yet, it is a must see okay okay must see like i said there's a couple there's two episodes left still in season two like on edge like i don't know what's gonna happen (laughs) 
Okay. You just get sucked into yeah, it. Yeah, it sounds good. I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah. And since we were had seven days free of Showtime, we also started to watch a Showtime series called Uncoupled. Mm-hmm. Never heard of it. It's brand new. It's only one season out. There's, I think there's only eight okay. episodes. It stars Neil Patrick Harris. Okay. I know him. Who, uh, Doogie Howser. Mm-hmm. Doogie Howser. Yeah. <laughs> and... On the very first episode, he has a surprise party for his live-in boyfriend, and that same night, the boyfriend moved out, and so it's like working through relationship stuff, and it's funny. It's really funny. He's good. He's funny. No, he's very good. Yeah. We were joking because Chatter's like going to go in and have a little a little pokey poke from the surgeon on my knee. But anyways, we were joking around because my husband just had surgery on his shoulder that like like if I go to fall, yeah. it, he can't catch me. Oh. There's a scene. There's a scene in there where Neil Patrick Harris, his character Michael, yeah. is like completely drunk because he's heartbroken. Him and a couple of his friends went to this like ski resort for the weekend. Right. And the guy that was holding him up was holding Neil Patrick Harris up, saw another man, and he was like, oh, hey. And so he lets go of him, and then he falls like face down. (laughs) And I was like, that would happen. (laughs) I would just fall face down. We're two peas in a pod here. Oh, that's oh my god! I gotta watch that. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. If you do the seven day free trial or whatever, mm. and because the two episodes of Yellow Jackets still come out this season, I don't know. We may pay for a month just to watch that. Yeah, th- I, that's what I do. I only pay for HBO when House of Dragons out. What's well, that's that? true. Yeah, that's true. What about you? What have you been up to? Um, I've just been kind of doing what you were doing last week. I've been working a lot. Yeah. I've been researching for the next story. And also today, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Martha Stewart. Yes. Do you know she was on the cover of Sports Illustrated? Yes, I saw that. She looks amazing. She does. Amazing. Yes. And I could not. I'm so proud of her. I'm just proud that she just doesn't give a F. Like, she's just like. You know what? Seriously. So what was disappointing, though, they did like they interviewed people her age. Mm -hmm. Like, do you like seeing her like this? Or, you know, like, how do you feel about this? They weren't very supportive. They were like, well, 80 year old woman shouldn't be dressed like that. Her neckline's too low. Well, that's a cultural thing, probably, too. Yeah. Well, the women were not supportive, but the men over 80 were like, at a girl. Yeah. (laughs) Go do it. Yes. It shouldn't be only 20 year olds. Yes. Do it. It was just shocking. I'm like, really? And then there was one lady that said, well, I'm 84. She only has like another year to look that good. I'm like, Martha is 81. <laughs> She's going to look the same at 84. Yes. She looks – no, it was amazing. I was actually yeah. like, you go, girl. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I want to be her when I grow up. <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe minus the whole jail thing. I know. Well, you know what? If I have – if I could be Martha Stewart, if they said you have to serve five years in jail, but when you get out – you live the Martha lifestyle, I'll be like, not a problem. Where's my orange jumpsuit? Where is it? <laughs> Let's do it. She did. Well, we talked about that last season in our season finale. We did the 19 crimes, Snoop Dogg and, and Martha yeah. Stewart talked about their friendship also. Mm-hmm. But we did talk about that and ha- she kind of got a little bit of preferred treatment. She arranged mm-hmm. their Christmas party in prison right. and, you know, did yeah. all the decor. <laughs> Wherever she Love goes, her. she's a she's a boss. Yeah. She takes control. Yeah. Yeah. Even over even over a penitentiary, she'll take control. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
So, Kat, so today is a special crime chat. It is. It is a crime and cosmetic segment. Bah, 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 bah. Oh my God. I have been waiting for uh, a crime and cosmetics. I love those. Love those. I have no idea what you're doing it on. I know. You kept it secret. <laughs> I kept it secret. There's. It's a twist. It's a twisty. It's a twisty tale. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. I could do that definitely. Well, you asked me. You said, you know what? Do an intro on the blow up of true crime. Yeah. I guess in social media and stuff like that, right? Yeah, because um, we our topic of discussion today is a YouTube influencer. Oh. Yeah. So I thought maybe. How did we all get so interested in things like this? Right. You know. Exactly. It would be a good little okay. walk into the story. Okay. Well, I'm going to start the story off with discussing the blow up of true crime and social media. Yeah. The phenomenon of true crime cases has gained some significant attention <laughs> and widespread interest in the recent years. True crime has experienced a notable surge in popularity with attention mm-hmm. through documentaries, podcasts, and other forms of media, like on YouTube. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. One of the most significant examples of true crime cases that blew up in recent years is the case that was featured in the Netflix documentary called Making a Murderer. Do you ever see that? Yes. um, That would have been, what, 2017, 2018? Yeah, it's a couple years ago. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, This uh, series explores the story of Stephen Avery, a man from Wisconsin who was wrongfully convicted of a sexual assault and later convicted of murder. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. I love his attorney Mm -hmm. because she is just that hard ass. She looks like if Martha dyed her hair black and became an attorney. Like that is who Mm -hmm. I would assume. Every Mm -hmm. five seconds, the lady is drinking like a can of soda. (laughs) She's drinking soda. She's, you could tell she's got it all together everything on her is just perfection yeah but i would not want to be arguing a case against her i think she won every single case she has ever i think she's she's been a defense attorney for like almost 30 years and she's won every case but one wow like that's that's how serious she is so this whole series sparked intense discussion about the criminal justice system raised Mm -hmm. questions about the police conduct Evidence tampering. I mean, if anything, everything. it seems like everything went wrong in that case. Yeah, yeah. Another example is the Tiger King <laughs> Murder, Mayhem, and Madness documentary series on Netflix. Yes. <laughs> this focused on the eccentric world of the big cat breeders and the feud between Carol Baskin and Joe Exotic. The series gained widespread attention and became a cultural phenomenon. Yep. Just captivating audiences and the most unusual set of characters I have ever seen mm-hmm. in my life. There's some special people on there. They're special. They're special. <laughs> and these examples illustrate the power of the true crime stories to captivate the public's interest and generate intense discussions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ac- accessibility of true crime through streaming platforms, podcasts youtube mm-hmm. are just, it's everywhere right <laughs> i'm the problem it's me um, am i the drama am i'm I not the drama, the drama. <laughs> no. am i the villain i'm not the villain <laughs> 
However, it's essential when you're watching these cases, a lot of people kind of approach it with critical thinking, Mm -hmm. understanding the evidence, understanding the media representation may not always be complete or Mm -hmm. may be biased in one view or another. Yeah, yeah. According to a study conducted by Scripps Network Interactive in 2017, women made up a whopping 72% of viewership in (laughs) true crime television programming. Another survey that was conducted by Magellan TV in 2020 found that 62% of women were still interested in true crime, and that compared to only 38% of men. So, yeah. (laughs) How Uh, much of that do you think was COVID? Because there was a lot of, like, boredom and stuff during home when people were were told to stay home. I mean, it's kind of how we found each other. I know, but you, but the first study was done in 2017. Yeah, yeah. I think this was during the whole Snapped. Remember that TV show, Snapped? Uh, I mean. We're going to talk about Snapped in my story. Oh, okay. Okay, good, good. <laughs> that TV show was about women snapping and mm-hmm. the viewership was women watching. Mm-hmm. And we were watching like, where did she go wrong? Yeah. Yeah. What <laughs> What happened here? Yeah. What should I not do? Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So these numbers suggest that maybe women are more obsessed with true crime compared to men. Mm-hmm. But it's important to note that not all women are interested in true crime and those people we're not friends with. Yeah. You can't be our friend. Sorry. You can't be our friends. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless of gender, there are a few factors that may contribute to the interest of true crime for some women. Mm-hmm. One, the fascination of human behavior. I completely – that's – I would think my my highest factor for me yeah. is just fascination with like how or why people do the things that they do. Yeah. Yeah. So it got me into being law enforcement. Like I think my fascination is how they got caught. Mm. Like what happened? How did the police approach this? The how circumstances the like surrounding. How they get them. Yeah. I love that. I love I love when there is that aha moment. I ah. love it. Aha. But yeah, it dives into the psychology and the motivations behind criminal acts. Mm -hmm. Many people, regardless of gender, find the complexities of human behavior intriguing, like cats. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to understand the criminal mind is pretty fascinating. Mm -hmm. Number two, empathy and justice. Okay. True crime stories often involve victims and their experiences. Women who may have a heightened sense of empathy may feel a connection to the victims Mm -hmm. and have a desire to seek justice for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you were a police officer, Mm -hmm. so you know that women make up a lot of the victims. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. doesn't matter what state you're in. Yeah. So number three, safety and Mm self-awareness. Some women use true crime as a way to educate themselves about potential dangers Mm -hmm. and learn self-defense or safety strategies, exploring real-life true crime cases that can provide some insight Mm -hmm. on criminal tactics and potentially help people to protect themselves in the long run. I I can't tell you how many times I've watched a documentary where the person was like, I watched forensic files and they did this and this and this and this and then it gave me the idea to do that and that and that. Right, right. Exactly. And I wonder how, how many criminals also forensic files educated as well. True. <laughs> you know. They screwed up. This was what not to do. All right. Exactly. Uh, number four, narrative and storytelling. <gasps> Peter Thomas. Peter Thomas. Oh, oh God. Forensic yeah. files. His voice. Peter Thomas. His voice. He's got the heat. Bill. Um, fuck. What's the other guy's name from American Justice? Bill. I don't know. Something. 
<laughs> and the other guy. But I, I know the first guy because his voice, he can have like one of those sexy call-in with his voice, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. True crime stories are often presented in a narrative format with twists and turns, suspenseful elements. Women like mm-hmm. anyone else can enjoy a suspenseful storytelling aspect of the true crime narratives. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. why yeah. we do what we do. Because they want to go, <gasps> gasp. But we've been doing it so long at this point, you can't shock us. <laughs> Yeah, true. Maybe I'll shock you okay. today. Okay. Uh, number five, <laughs> community and discussion. True crime has created a significant community of enthusiasts, including online forums, podcasts, and documentaries. Women, like mm-hmm. men, may find a sense of belonging to a group and enjoying the engagement discussions of true crime cases and being amongst like-minded individuals. So I can see that too. Going back to the Yellow Jackets, one of the characters who who's... A little crazy. Messed up in the head. Yeah. She was in the plane crash and 25 plus 26 years later, she's part of a, not like a neighborhood watch, but like a private community detective group. Really? And they have like, it's kind of like a Reddit where they kind of post things back and forth to each other. And that just reminded me that it's like a community kind of thing. And she actually even says that, like it's being part of like people who have the same Mm -hmm. common interests and being able to yeah. And when you when you when like you and I when we talk about stuff, we may say something that is completely in a different setting. People may say that was odd or that was that's a weird ass that's a weird (laughs) direction you're taking this conversation. But like, you okay, girl? You okay? You okay, girl? You okay? Uh, but it, like, yeah, like it's it's nice to joke around because we do. With this comes a certain degree of dark humor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that not everybody can take. Yeah. So I don't know. But the top true crime blow ups on mm-hmm. YouTube and Netflix and podcasts. I have a list, girl. You yes. Like All right. Well, here are some of the most popular true crime YouTube channels. One, BuzzFeed Unsolved. You love them. My boys. You love (laughs) Shane and Ryan. Yep. (laughs) They investigate and discuss various unsolved mysteries and true crime cases in a comedic way. Mm -hmm. They went and did a haunting. They actually recorded some evidence of a haunting. Yeah. They've got all kinds of stuff. They've got, well, we talked about it before, too. They've got their own production company now the watcher or watcher the watcher yeah the watcher. and actually i just had a, a post a push from youtube either yesterday or today they came out with another investigation like they do ghost files and one of my favorite things that they do have you ever watched when they do a show called too many spirits no oh my gosh is it on youtube yeah, it's on okay. YouTube, and then it'll be on their channel, the Watcher channel, I think, too. Basically, they drink spirits and sounds familiar. Tell ghost stories, like the their listeners or you know their fans will send stories in, and they'll tell right. stories while they're drinking. And they usually record four episodes in the same night, so the next it's like they get drunker and drunker and drunker. It's hilarious. <gasps> when it was over the Christmas, I think Shane dressed up as Krumpus. It was so funny. They're great. Favorite. You're a Ryan girl. I'm a Shane girl. I'm a Bulgarian. 
Yeah, I I loved it. Shane was on. So they th- that group of people from BuzzFeed, they kind of branched off into mm-hmm. do different things. And there is a, a bunch of guys called the Try Guys. Mm-hmm. And they have this TV show called Call It In or Phone It In, which is a baking show, but it's hilarious. Uh. So like the chef has got to use a payphone to call in the recipe to the cook who is one of the Try Guys. They don't know how to cook and they're trying <laughs> to follow instructions and it's very funny. And Shane was one of the contestants. He's just a funny naturally dry funny guy so he's he's witty jane love you <laughs> all right number two kendall ray kendall ray covers a mm-hmm. wide range of true crime cases conspiracy mm-hmm. theories and unsolved mysteries i've watched her before she's very good yeah i don't i know of her but i don't i can't say honestly if i've ever watched her but i know of her yeah yeah she's, she's I think good. I follow her on twitter She's she's very she's very informative. I think uh she just had a baby too, so congratulations, yeah. Kendall. Yeah. Uh number three, Bailey Sarian. Bailey Sarian. I know. Yeah. Bailey well, we are also, I don't know if the chatters know, but Kat and I also have a one of the largest fan base groups on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, called the Suspicious Squad. So we know Bailey. Yes, <laughs> very we do. well. Bailey combines true crime storytelling with her passion for makeup. She created a series called Murder, Mystery, and Makeup. Shasha. 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 She's got to bring the song back. <laughs> I know. And Dark History. She started a yes. podcast right around the same time that we kicked off our podcasts. Yeah. So she is also in her second season. And I heard her say recently that they're rec- starting to record for season three already. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. Think it was like the same month that we. It was. Rec- it was crazy close. But then yeah. again, like, great minds think alike because she, same week, right before we released Albert Fish, she released she did this. She did the same one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She discusses true crime cases while applying her makeup and looks flawless at, by yes. the end. Number four, Stephanie Harlow. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Have you ever mm-hmm. seen her? Yes. She probably has the catchiest intro song I've ever heard mm-hmm. from. I think it's Chemical Romance. Who sings that? I don't know. Well, anyway, you got to check it out. So she's got a great theme song while she's making a cup of coffee. Yes, yes, yes. She's very personable. She's very intelligent. And she's a New Yorker. Mm-hmm. And she does a comprehensive analysis of true crime cases, focusing on and also including historical crimes and cold cases. So she's, Mm -hmm. you know, she does it all. Mm -hmm. The next one, number five, I don't think I've ever watched. And this is Eleanor Neal. Have you ever watched her? No, I don't think I've ever heard. I've never heard of her. Mm -hmm. I got to check her out. She discusses various true crime cases, including murder cases, serial killers, unsolved mysteries, often incorporating research and interviews. Oh, so she Uh, does some of her own interviews. Hmm. Oh, cool. We got to check her out. Yeah. Okay. So the next list is my top five true crime documentaries on Netflix as of 2022. Oh, yeah. We've seen them all. (laughs) Number one is making, and this is, and by the way, this is like a list of the like it came up in this order okay so the number one it was making a murderer Mm -hmm. that we spoke about before Mm -hmm. the story of stephen avery if you haven't seen it go see it there's two parts number two is the keepers this one broke my heart when i saw this i don't think i saw that (gasps) one cats gasp gasp seriously this docuseries investigates the unsolved murder of a nun in baltimore and it dives into uh, a, this huge alleged cover-up from the Catholic Church. Cat, mm. 
You gotta watch it. You okay. Gotta, it's great. It's a great... I'm surprised they haven't, like, did a follow-up on this, though. Okay. On the okay. Keepers, because it, it is kind of old. Mm-hmm. Number three is the Tiger King. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we're gonna speak about this later in our season, but this yeah. explores the feud between Mr. Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin. Mm-hmm. Number four is The Staircase. All that soup's familiar. Yeah. The docuseries follows the trial of Michael Peterson, who was accused of murdering his wife, Kathleen Peterson. Convicted. Not accused. Convicted. But this is the tricky part to this, is that he was convicted. He's out. Yeah, he's out now. I I just feel like, and that documentary took years to make. Mm -hmm. Ten years. I mean, they waited until he was able to get retried. Like, Mm -hmm. it's a great documentary, Mm -hmm. but I think he killed her. I do too. All right. Good. Yep. Number five, Evil Genius. Have you ever mm-hmm. seen this? Yes. She's crazy, that one. That, uh, yes. I, oh, that's a crazy yeah. story. Yes. Yeah. I feel bad for that guy. It's a true story of America's most diabolical bank heist. <laughs> this series explores and this bizarre and shocking story of a bank robbery that involved a collar bomb on a, I want to say, a disabled. I want to, I don't know if I would call him disabled, but he was definitely like co- cognitive. Brain. That's it. Cognitive issues. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so like, you know, he was a nice guy. He was very friendly, but he, he was definitely... He didn't understand what was happening to him, and that breaks my heart. That whole scene broke my heart. Yeah. All right. The next list, the last list, is the True Crime Podcasts. Well, we already Um, know who's number one. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) what? Actually, I put us on the list. Oh, okay. Yay. (laughs) So number one most popular is Serial. This focuses on the different true crime cases, diving into the details and raising questions about the justice system. Mm -hmm. This is a very popular one. I think this was like the first real true crime mega hit podcast. Okay. Number two is My Favorite Murder. Mm -hmm. Same thing. This combines true crime with storytelling and humor. Mm -hmm. Number three is Criminal. Have you ever heard of any of these? I've heard of my my favorite murder. I haven't okay. heard of criminal or serial. Criminal, yeah. So same thing, true crime stories. Criminal takes a look at the historical cases and some of the current events. Mm-hmm. Focuses on the human experiences and the impact of the crime. Mm-hmm. Number four, Case File. Mm-hmm. This is an Australian podcast. Uh, I've never heard of this, but I'm really looking. I want to check this one out because I just love an Australian accent. I was just going to say the same thing. Like I love would listen it. to it just for the accent. Yeah, they just they just sound like they can kick your ass at any given time yeah 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 (laughs) number five is my favorite okay one of my favorites sword and scale have you ever heard of it no oh oh my god it uh, it's a dark part of podcast but the guy is very like the story the storytelling he's very detailed oriented when Mm -hmm. it comes to telling the story so if you're into the details yeah and you want to listen to a three-hour podcast like (laughs) he's the guy so it's the details take time right yeah yeah and number six one of the coolest podcasts that is out there today crime chat with nat and cat who are two girls that are obsessed with dark crime evil minds and occasionally the unknown hey and they have great that's us come on come on yeah we both have oh i'm pointing that that one we both have nice backgrounds we both include our logo Yes. What's not yeah. to love? There's, oh, right. Exactly. We have special segments. We do. We do. And so that is kind of like my intro. I yeah. hope there's some things on this list that I want to check out. Yeah. I know. No, we, that's super cool. We know like 99% of that list already. <laughs> 
as the community of true crime lovers would. Yes. Yes. <laughs> It, that was a good lead in. And the reason why I asked you to do that, because it gives a little context into an obsession, if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay. Especially in social media and how that can intrigue people and pull people in to believing certain things. Mm. So today's story is a crime and cosmetics segment where mm-hmm. we take a little crime, throw in a little cosmetics tie to it, and just tell our regular old true crime story. Put some lipstick on it and call it a crime and cosmetics. That's right. <laughs> it has been a couple months since we've done one, and we've got yes. a few more on our schedule for this season. But today, a YouTube up-and-coming influencer was caught in a whodunit, but she damn well who did do it. What started out as a home invasion developed into something a bit more sinister. On February 20th, 2015, in Titus County, Texas, Samantha Walford, an inspiring YouTube influencer, called her mother to tell her people had broken into her home. She was tied up and her husband was kidnapped. Her mother then called Samantha's aunt, Ginger Kesterson, who immediately went to Samantha's home. I have a home invasion. My niece is tied up. She's tied up. She is tied up. And yes, I am untying her. I can't get the. What is the victim's name? Uh, Samantha Wolford. So when the police arrive, Samantha comes down the stairs. Her aunt is already there. So her mom, she called her mom first. Her mom lives an hour away. Okay. The aunt lived like 10 minutes away. So after she talked to, the mom talked to Samantha, her mom's name is Rosie. She called her sister Ginger and said, can you go over to Samantha's house? Something is wrong. Like something happened. She's frantic. She's panicking. That kind of thing. So when police arrive, auntie's already there. While the police are there, the parents get there. Most people would probably be crying or screaming at this time, like freaking out, like they took my husband, you know. Yeah. That kind of thing. That's why I was, when I listened to the 911, I was expecting more. I just feel that the way she- Samantha didn't call 911. Her aunt called 911. Yeah. Yeah. And she said uh, she's tied up. Yes. Did she not try to untie her? She did. What At the okay. <laughs> at the end, she said she, she was trying to untie her, but she couldn't get the knot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. While most people would be like screaming and upset mm-hmm. and just like, you've got to find my husband. They took my husband. Yeah. She walked down the stairs and didn't say a word until the police said something to her. Samantha said, quote, I honestly don't know what happened. I was in bed asleep. I heard a noise. And the second I was able to open my eyes, somebody grabbed me and jerked me out of bed, slammed me down on the ground and started tying me up. They put a knife to my throat and told me, don't move. They were punching him over and over and over, and he was fighting back, and I was just letting them do it, end quote. She didn't say any of that. Nothing. She didn't say any of that when she came down the steps. That that would have just happened. She had to be asked about what happened. Yeah. Yeah, that's a spish. Weird. Yeah, hmm. right? So the cops are already kind of like, uh, okay. And they're like, well, what's your husband's name? She said, quote, Ernest Ibarra. They had black masks on, black shirts, black pants. Every inch of skin was covered with gloves. I couldn't see anything. One of them did say the name Luke, but that was it. That was all. That's the only identifying thing. I went downstairs and his face was covered in blood and he had cuts on the top of his head, end quote, her husband. Then the officer asked, quote, do you know what they were hitting him with, end quote, and she said, yes, a gun. Samantha was not able to recall any identifying features on the type of gun, what it looked like, and she said, quote, I wasn't focused on the guy, I was focused on him, meaning her husband, Ernie. 
So when the police asked about the kids, because she actually, they had five kids. Uh I'll get into that here in a second. She said they're all in bed asleep and they never messed with the kids, which is also weird. Yeah. That they wouldn't wake up, right? So she said the invaders asked how many kids there and where they were. They punched Ernie in the mouth with the gun and then said, quote, I'm here for no kids, motherfucker. (laughs) She described the scene as, and that's exactly what she said when she was telling the story. (laughs) She described the scene as, quote, they jerked his head up and said, look at her. They had my head pulled back and they looked at me and said, that's the last time you're going to see her. Do you want us to kill her too? End quote. So she told the police she never saw a vehicle, like, once they left, like, she never saw them get into a vehicle. She couldn't give them a vehicle description. Mm-hmm. She did say she thought three, maybe four people were involved. Three, At least three people were in the mm-hmm. house. Maybe there was a getaway driver. She wasn't sure. When she was asked if she heard any gunshots, she said, quote, I heard some commotion outside, and I know they were doing something in my house because I could hear shit breaking. She took the officers then upstairs to show him where she was tied up and said they took his phone, but they didn't take mine. The police was like, well, what's his phone number? If he's got his phone with him, or at least, you know, the if the kidnappers have him, then what's his phone number? She said, I don't know. He has her phone. Just call her husband. <laughs> then they said, is his number stored in your phone? And she said, yes. She seems like so she's Sam- not giving, she's not trying at all. Like <laughs> so Samantha went on to say that the men told Ernie, quote, you know why this is happening. Your dad narked and took someone from us. So we are going to take someone from him, end quote. She said she didn't know what the men meant by this or meant by who someone was that was taking from them. She didn't understand what was going on. At one point, the intruders cut off a lock of Ernie's hair and told Samantha, you can keep it. This will be the last thing you have of his. This is a horrifying story. Like, if you could just picture, like, three unknown assailants dressed in all black, rip you out of bed, start beating your husband, you know, and tie you up and then threaten your life. And, you know, it's a a terrifying scenario. Yeah. And the kids didn't wake up. And the kids never woke up with all the commotion going on. It's the worst possible scenario. But the hair is freaking me out a little bit. Like, (laughs) the hair, I I don't want to jump ahead, but that kind of reminds me of something. Something, like trophy or I don't know. Well, they left it. Okay. okay. We'll, yeah, we'll I'm not going to jump ahead. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a horrifying story and a fear of many people out there, many mm. of our chatters, no doubt. So what happened to Ernie Ibarra? Mm. Where was he? Where did they take him? But before we get into that, we're going to jump back just a little bit. Okay. We'll start at the beginning. So Samantha Nicole Walford, the wife, she was born in Texas, August 28th, 1989. She was the oldest and had two younger sisters. Samantha was described as having a beautiful appearance, a lively personality from the time she was very young. Samantha had the potential to be a star, and her dream was to become famous. She had her first set of twins she had when she was 19 with her high school sweetheart. It it didn't work out, essentially. It doesn't, Mm. usually, Mm -hmm. but... It didn't work out, Mm-mm. and so she's now a single parent with her dreams of being a star having to be put on hold for a bit. She would do some odd-end jobs, right, just to make ends meet. She was a photographer for some newborn pictures, and she even joined oh, okay. an MLM, okay. a multi-level marketing, for a while, just trying to make some money. Yeah, yeah. Now, hubby, Ernest Ibarra, mm. he was born Christmas Day, December 25th, 1985, in Mount Pleasant, Texas. He had one brother and two sisters, and growing up in the Mount Pleasant area, 
area. Computers were introduced during that time frame as part of like a school curriculum, mm-hmm. and he became more involved with computers. He was an avid gamer. Mm-hmm. He also began repairing and building computers, and he would kind of like do that as a hobby. He would try to do that later on for some work, and I think he, he worked on some computer software programs. But after high school, he did become a woodworker. Mm-hmm. One of his jobs was the computer machine that made baseball bats at a manufacturing plant. Oh, that's cool. Which I thought was kind of neat. Yeah. yeah. And to earn a little bit extra money, he took a second job working at Little Caesars Aww. at night. So Samantha Walford, a single mother of twins, mm-hmm. met Ernie Ibarra at a tattoo shop in 2008. The couple began dating and ended up having three more kids together. Another set of twins and then an, one baby. So they had five. She had the twin gene. She did. Oof. She had the twin gene. That, that's Ugh. not like common to have two sets of twins. Right. It was the twin gene is strong with this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So initially, many friends described them as being soulmates. They had children together. They were already living together. So they decided to go ahead and get married in March of 2014. Less than a picture-perfect marriage, however, the couple did not have a good relationship once they actually got married. Shortly after they married, problems started to develop. Ernie appeared to do anything he could to keep the family afloat financially and worked two jobs, sometimes three jobs. Because Ernie worked more than 10 hours a day for several years, his income was still insufficient to maintain the family's expenses. I mean, you have five babies, essentially. Yeah. 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 It made him feel very frustrated and exhausted. Like, I'm working all the time and it's not doing anything. It's not helping. Now, as a stay-at-home mom, Samantha wasn't working at this time, at least not in the form of any kind of monetary benefit. From one of her videos on YouTube, Samantha said, quote, I have always wanted to be an actress. I think it's so much fun and one of the most amazing forms of art ever to be able to be expressed yourself, end quote. Hmm. Her YouTube channel was described as personable and posted how-to-do videos, makeup, mommy tips, that kind of thing. Uh She also had a lot of pictures of her and I tried... Uh I think they shut down her YouTube again. Another story. Mm -hmm. They shut that. I couldn't find her original YouTube. But a lot of the clips that I did find, she would do a bunch of different type of like tutorials and advice. Any of these clips? Do you have any of these videos? I... I've I've watched several. I can link them in the Patreon. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, Abigail Ibera, who is Ernie's sister, said on an episode of Snapped, I told you we were going to talk about it, Mm -hmm. that Samantha felt like she was going somewhere. She kind of started paying less attention to her kids and Ernie, and she acted like her so-called job of this becoming a YouTube influencer was more important. She wanted to be internet famous, and my brother didn't like that kind of thing. And you'll see it in some of the videos, too. When she was recording him, he's just like, right. like stop. Mm-hmm. right? Like, I, right. this is not – I don't want to be on here. I don't want to be part of this. Mm-hmm. So simultaneously, though, while she's doing all of this, Ernie's love for video games also started to consume him. Mm. Samantha became annoyed when Ernie's gaming character on one of his games married another character's female avatar like, in the game. That's cheating. That's emotional cheating. Yeah. yeah. That's cyber cheating. <laughs> However, when Ernie returns home tired every day from work, he finds his wife actually also no longer takes care of the housework Mm. and doesn't take care of the children. So that's something else that he has to do when he gets home from work. Even the children were not being taken care of. And he was just, you know, and that was really upsetting to him. Yeah. So as time went on, Samantha's YouTube videos became darker. 
She began to complain about her relationship, put her personal life online to include announcing her last pregnancy online. Six babies? No, the fifth oh. the fifth one. Okay. One psychologist described Samantha with her YouTube as if she felt somebody cared about her life and she kind of fed into that perception, which is also why I asked you to do a little bit of that background on the true crime phenomenon. Okay. Okay. So she wanted to be seen, Samantha did, and it was a source of attention and excitement for her. But it did become Samantha's sole focus, and her family was kind of left to the wayside. This really started to impact her relationship with Ernie, and it was said that this made him feel really forgotten. Mm. At one point, Samantha actually accused Ernie of abusing her and filed a complaint against him. Ernie was questioned and arrested by police. The judge ordered an emergency protective order. However, the couple wanted to put their marriage and their family first. So they kind of like fought through that. Apparently, this is also a very abusive and toxic relationship. It kind of got to that point. Maybe not starting out that way, but it did develop into that. So in this way, Ernie and Samantha lived a life of ignoring each other. But unexpectedly, misfortune suddenly would come as a difficulty in this family. So if you remember, we started the story with Samantha claiming three masked intruders broke into her home, tied her up, then beat and kidnapped her husband. Right, right. So bringing it back. (laughs) Officers from the Titus County Sheriff's Department soon arrived to the scene. As authorities searched the home, they noticed that no valuables were taken. So the front door lay in pieces and there was signs of physical struggle. Quote, there is some blood on the wall, which has probably happened during a scuffle and right by the the door was the lock of hair, end Mm. quote. And this was from former Titus County Sheriff's first responder, Chris Durant, that he told the producers of Snapped. Okay. Samantha was taken to the police department, of course, for an interview to try and get some more details. She said that she thought Ernie was taken because it had something to do with that. She told investigators on the scene, and then she told them again in the interview room. And there's a lot of her interrogation slash interview that you can also find online. She told investigators that Ernie's dad had a problem getting involved with things that he shouldn't be getting involved with. And when they asked her, what do you mean? She's like, well, drugs. They also questioned why she called her mom first. She said her mother was the first person on her call list, like as in the last person I talked to. She said, I used my face because her hands were tied. She couldn't dial. Her hands were like tied behind her back. Her legs were tied. She kind of like rolled over to her phone Mm. and with her face, she was dialing the last number. When you do that, you're like a, like a pecking. (laughs) I know. I'm moving my head like it would be just my face moving. And then when she was pressed, well, if you called your mom, why didn't you call police? Right. She said, how do you press 911 with your face? And they said, how do you dial your mother with your face? Oh, my God. And she said, I didn't dial my number. I just pushed the first thing that was on there. It just happened to be my mom. Oh, my God. <laughs> this gives you a picture of the interrogation. It's, it's entertaining. So this was when they thought she started to make up the story. Okay. And she really knew who was behind this. Mm. The psychologist who I mentioned before comes back in and adds that Samantha sees herself as an actress. She exaggerated her own abilities and investigators started to see through her as she's going on in her interrogation. Now, while she's being interviewed, investigators are still back at a home doing a search and, well, things didn't really start to add up there either. First, there wasn't as much blood as there should have been for somebody who was supposedly beaten and pistol whipped. There was some blood, but not like the amount that they would have thought. The scene just didn't make sense for what she was telling the investigators. Samantha's story, as she's in her interview room, began to change the more she she was pushed. So when the details started to contradict themselves, police started to hone in. When questioned, Samantha said that she met a man 
whose Facebook name was John Reb, at a hospital when she was supposedly being treated for Ernie's abuse. Like, she was at the hospital, her friend was there, and this is her friend's boyfriend that she's talking to, this John Reb guy. It's her friend's boyfriend. Yes, because her friend is there with her at the hospital comforting her, making sure she's okay. Boyfriend shows up, her Mm. friend's boyfriend shows up, this John Reb guy. Mm. So as she was telling the story to police and how she met John Reb, she said she didn't want it to get out that she said his name to anybody because she was afraid. And if he found out, she would be in danger, like she was afraid for her life. But the story did continue to police, and she told the police how she met John. She said at the hospital, as she was talking to John about the abuse... John told her he was going to quote-unquote deal with the situation. Samantha didn't know what he meant. She thought that he was joking like, oh, okay, yeah, you'll deal with the situation, sure. Right. So when police said, why didn't you tell us about John up front? She said that she didn't know if it was him, but she just had a feeling it might have been. <laughs> oh, Samantha. <laughs> so. Wow. <laughs> Due to the search at the home, detectives continue to question Samantha about evidence at the scene. So, like, they have the investigators that are doing the search communicating back to the police station where they're interviewing Samantha and then passing on the information that they found. And the pieces just weren't connecting. So they didn't think that she did anything to Ernie, but they knew that she knew who did. So John Reb, who Samantha was referring to, was later identified as Jonathan Sanford, who was recently released from prison for molesting his cousin. Oh, my God. (laughs) The following morning after this incident, because it's like the middle of the night. So the following morning, police arrested Jonathan Sanford and his brother-in-law, Jose Ponce, based on Samantha's information she finally provided to the investigators. During the interview with Jonathan, he talked. He was like, I'm caught. I'm just going to tell you everything I know. He explained how and why he attacked Ernie. He said that Samantha talked to him about their relationship. Like I just said, the same thing that she, he was basically corroborating what they talked about at the hospital. And Samantha told John that Ernie abused her, abused the kids. Jonathan said he told Samantha that if he ever saw her or the kids with bruises, he would whoop Ernie's ass and put him in the hospital and to the point of where he would beat him so bad that Jonathan would just walk away. Like, I would just leave you there and walk away. Mm. So they go to the house. They kidnap Ernie. They took him to the woods and they killed him. But when they first got to the woods with Ernie, Ernie was actually beaten so bad. He was like barely moving. He was kind of moaning a a little bit. Jonathan initially was going to shoot him, but decided he was going to slit his throat instead. Oh. Before he had a chance to slit his throat, Jose Ponce, the other guy that was arrested with him and his brother in Jonathan's brother-in-law, mm-hmm. shot Ernie. So, like, Jonathan was going over to Ernie to cut his throat. Jose pulls out a pistol and shoots him instead. Mm-hmm. Jonathan was not expecting Jose to do that. They didn't talk about that. But Jonathan did go over to Ernie, saw that he was dead, and said something to the effect of, game over. Wow. Okay. So after he tells Jonathan, tells the police all of that, he does take him to where Ernie's body is and they do recover the body. Based on Samantha telling them that there were three men involved, they only have arrested Jose and Jonathan. They knew there was one other person. The investigation did lead them to a man named Octavius Rimes, who Jonathan also mentioned he recruited to help him with the attack on Ernie. Octavius was a military veteran, and based on just a very little bit of background I did on this guy, he was probably kicked out. He had a methamphetamine problem. Oh, yeah. That can get in the way. Yeah. That can definitely get in the way. (laughs) So Jonathan and Jose, once they were booked, 
they were charged with aggravated kidnapping and murder. Jonathan and Jose both claimed that they were accomplices not just to Octavius Rhymes, but also to Samantha herself in the death of Ernie. Oh, God. Okay. So, when detectives now confront Samantha with this, she said despite her marital issues, she had nothing to do with Ernie's disappearance or his death. But her story, again, it's just falling apart. Mm. It's not, it's falling, it's like it's raining outside and she's not, Yeah. she's not sugar. I mean, she's not, well, I guess she's trying to be sugar yeah. and she's melting, mm -hmm. you know, the Wicked Witch. <laughs> so they did inform her during an interview, they got a search warrant for her phone and they were going to be keeping it for a while to do a search. The phone data would actually be the nail in the coffin for Samantha. Mm. They found messages between Samantha and all of the accomplices while the police were at her home responding to the incident. Wait a minute. So she was, was she using her nose? She wasn't tied up. Was <laughs> she, she was, pecking that? Was she pecking? What was she doing, Kat? No, this she was, pecking. so this was after the police responded. So she was untied she by was then. She was untied, okay. She was untied by the time the police got there. <laughs> uh, so while while the police are at her home, just kind of looking around, getting some initial information, they were reporting information back to the station and the superiors and everything. So you he can hear Samantha on one of the on the body cam footage. Uh -huh. She says, "Hey, can I call my mom?" And they're like, "Yeah, sure, go ahead. We're you know we're we got something going on right now." She did not call her mother. In fact, she was messaging the men on how they can evade police. Since Samantha also told the police that they took Ernie's phone. What they were doing, calling back and forth, was trying to ping the phone and trying to find it. Yeah. Where is his phone? Slyly, Samantha sent a text message to Octavius that said, quote, kill Day's phone, shut that down, end quote. While the police are talking to dispatch, coordinating a ping. She's texting this guy saying, kill his phone. Oh my God. What the? She, oh God. So I said, oh. she said, quote, kill Day's phone. Day was a nickname that Ernie went by. Okay. A little bit later, Samantha hears over the radio that they found a ping from Ernie's phone a little less than a mile from a residence in Pittsburgh, Texas. Police asked Samantha, hey, do you know anybody in Pittsburgh? She shook her head no. Samantha then picked up her phone, sent another text to Octavius and said, quote, ditch phone, move. End quote. Oh my God. The phone, <laughs> the phone records also indicated a 30 second call between Samantha and Octavius almost immediately after she sent that message that said to ditch the phone. Phone records clearly show Samantha was the mastermind behind this plan. Octavius and Samantha, I mentioned John and Jose were already arrested and indicted for aggravated kidnapping and murder. Mm -hmm. So Octavius and Samantha then also were charged based on the implications that they put on themselves mm -hmm. through phone messages. The original plan they did find out was to plant methamphetamines on Ernie, which they were going to get from Octavius's dealer, and call the cops and basically get him right. arrested so he wasn't there anymore. However, later they decided it would be just easier to murder him. Oh, my God. Samantha's car, when they left, she couldn't f provide a vehicle description. They took her car. <laughs> they took her car. This is not the brightest group of people. <laughs> so Jonathan and Jose pled guilty. Both were sentenced to 50-year terms. Octavius and Samantha, however, pled not guilty, so they both went to trial. But both of their trials, there was two. One was in Titus County, which is where the aggravated kidnapping took place. And then the other one was in Cook County, which right. is where the murder took place. Right. So Octavius was given a found guilty on both and given a combined sentence of 98 years. 
Samantha, her first ki- her first trial was a kidnapping trial in Titus County. This is funny. During the trial, she said that she was prescribed Ambien for sleep problems. And I took an Ambien that night. And I don't remember saying anything to the police. I don't remember even those text messages. I don't remember anything. I was on Ambien. Okay. As somebody who takes Ambien, I will tell you right now, the worst thing I've ever done was shop on Amazon. There's there's only so much you can do on Ambien. Well, the jury didn't buy it. (laughs) They they convicted her of the aggravated kidnapping and was sentenced to 50 years. The second trial in the neighboring Cook County, she was also found guilty of murder and got 99 years. She did appeal both of her cases, but they were both upheld. And she is currently imprisoned in the Carol Young Complex in Dickinson, Texas. And in the end, Ernie Abera's family denied any of the abusive allegations, spoke nothing but good things of him being a hardworking father, and he was killed for no reason. That is fucked up. What? That? that, So that's your crime and cosmetic story. Oh, my God. And those poor children. Right. And and especially in the episode of Snapped Mm. that I watched that covered the story. Season 29, episode 4, I believe, if I'm going off the top of my head. (laughs) If you want to download it, it was $1.99 on Prime. I don't have a problem. There's no problem here. (laughs) So the mother, Rosie, Samantha's Mm. mother, she actually got custody of all five children. So she's raising Samantha's children. But she lost her daughter and she lost her son-in-law. Yeah. And then they had Ernie's stepmother was on there. And she was, you know, talking about Ernie and some of the, the... how smart he was, especially with all the computers. And he was a very kind of timid guy, quiet guy. Samantha was very, like, outgoing and kind of boisterous. And she wanted to be an actress. She was just put herself out there. And they kind of, like, balanced each other out. I think it was Ernie's sister said that basically she was the perfect bubbly to his perfect quietness. And that they just kind of worked. Okay. They just kind of balanced each other out, especially early on in their relationship. But it seems it's weird because it seems like a soon as they decided to get married mm. things went to shit yeah well but i mean long-term relationships there's always going to be ups and downs and everything like that but it's like ugh. I, I don't think she was mature enough to understand no she seems she she made a bunch of bad decisions somebody's life she took somebody's life and also yeah. she she's just very immature five kids and i i like i get don't you know what causes that i <laughs> just kidding but like well and especially if you got the twin gene yeah you got the twin <laughs> gene but but just <laughs> just knowing already that financially you're not in that place it's it's just like that poor guy i feel bad for him i really do because he was probably working 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 and when you come home from working all day trying to take care of your family and there's nothing done or no food or that's not good that's not okay no it's not and i think just because she was just wanted to be an actress and she just wanted that attention, I think she actually believed that she would be able to act her way out of the investigation to be able to get away with it. There was one something that I, I read or that I saw that said, well, what about the police? And she's like, well, don't worry. I'll take care of that. I, I know what I'm doing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. She was really trying to wow. get them to buy whatever story she was saying. But I mean, these dudes are like professionals. Like you're some amateur wannabe influencer actress that you think you can trick a cops that have been on the job for 25 years. I don't think so. <laughs> I think she was so self-absorbed and YouTube that nobody's telling her no on YouTube. Yeah. They're just telling her, you know, like, great, you're beautiful. You're this, you're that. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you know what? It, it's not all about her. She's got five kids. You have yeah. kids. You're big, bigger responsibilities than your YouTube. I mean, come on yeah. now, girl. Come yeah. on. No. Yeah. Mm-mm. So that's the story of Samantha Walford, and she's rotting in hell. She'll probably die in prison. Yes. Good. So Good. Bye. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you for doing that, Crime and Cosmetics. Yeah. I love crime. I love Crime and Cosmetics. It's, it's, it's so twisted. The makeup community is fucking twisted. It is. You, you <laughs> You have a bunch of egomaniacs that think that they can just do anything and look great while doing it. And they usually do. Yeah. <laughs> One exception, Bailey Sarian. She looks great in anything and she's amazing. So there's yeah. that. If she committed a crime, I would be like, I didn't see a thing. I didn't see a thing. <laughs> Bailey who? Bailey who? What? <laughs> Thank you for doing that. That was great. I love crime and course, cosmetics. Yeah. Because we don't want to leave you hanging, for more information on this case, please check out After That Crime Chat, mm-hmm. only available on Patreon. Yes. Don't forget to follow us. Crime Chat with Nat and Cat. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Twitter uh-huh. to see what we got coming up. And remember, Crime Chat with Nat and Cat. when you become a chatter on our Patreon, you have full access to bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes bloopers, and free merch, and check out some merch in the works. And I also want to add, subscribe to our YouTube. Like, legit. Yeah. Subscribe. Support your girls. That's right. Be sure to follow us and check out our next episode. It's going to be Nat's story. Yep, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be a discussion. It's going to be like Nat versus Cat. Oh, I, you know what I just heard in my head? What? Is that Donkey Kong? <laughs> no, it's Mario Brothers. Okay. <laughs> we'll see you on the next crime chat. <laughs>